Happy Monday. You are listening to the Tar Devils Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, where we talk Duke, UNC, ACC basketball. And welcome into episode eight of the Tar Devils Podcast. My name is Tyler Rosieri, the always objective Duke fan in this duo, talking with my best friend, John Bowman. Another great week of college basketball. A lot less games canceled due to COVID, thankfully, this week. A lot to get into. John, how are you doing? Tyler, I have never been happier because after a season-long walk through basketball wilderness, it doesn't look like UNC knows what's up and what's down. Just really uh, a frustrating season. There's a ray of hope shining into Chapel Hill today. And his name is Anthony Harris. It is so great to see him back on the court. This is a kid who has an amazing story. Uh, two ACL tears, I believe, which is just incredible for anyone to overcome. Uh, he last played uh, December 30th, I believe, against Yale. And that's December 30th, 2019, so over a year ago. And now he's back out on the court, and he looked great for the Tar Heels, even in a loss. I think it changes the entire season. We're going to get into that. Everyone listen to the hypocrisy of UNC fans. When Harry Giles has numerous tears and injuries, all I hear is, oh, my God, he sucks so bad. Anthony Harris comes back, and the joy from UNC fans is crazy. Typical, typical. Well, to be, fr to be clear, I, there was never any Harry Giles hate from me. Once he got onto the Kings and it turned out he wasn't a very good basketball player, that's when the hate started for me. But He and Jaleel Okafor just need their minutes, okay? They put up <laughs> stats when they play. We, I would be happy to debate the uh, ability of Jaleel Okafor to be a usable NBA player. And while, we're at it, while we are at it, we can debate all the UNC talent in the NBA too, right? Yes, uh, Cam Johnson, Suns, he looks pretty good. Kobe White, he looks Yeah, role good. players at best, good for you. <laughs> okay, okay. We also, yeah, we want to talk about Duke's week as well. Duke had a big week returning to stiffer ACC competition. They uh, played three ACC games uh, prior to this week. They were 3-0, and but they'd only played Notre Dame, Boston College, and Wake Forest, which is about as easy of a schedule as you could create, as you could concoct. Uh, but this week they played Virginia Tech and they lost that game 74 to 67. So we're also gonna get into that a little bit today because I know Tyler has some thoughts after that loss. Yep, so we'll start with UNC. They beat Syracuse 81 to 75, followed that up by losing to FSU 82 to 75. John, what are your thoughts? Has UNC turned the corner this season? Yeah, I I don't I hesitate to say they've turned the corner in the past tense. I think that the reality is this team is still three and three in the ACC. They lost to Florida State on Saturday in what was really a winnable game because Florida State was without arguably their best player, Scotty Barnes. So I don't want to give too much credit to the Tar Heels. I think that they've still got some work to do. But I do really believe that it's season-changing to have Anthony Harris come back into the fold. Anthony Harris fills so many of the gaps in what this team is lacking. First of all, we want to acknowledge this UNC team has some strengths. They're the number one team in the country in offensive rebounding. 
Um, so that's a con pretty consistent with Roy Williams' coach teams. He Unexpected this season. Yes, UNC has a lot of big men too. We knew that coming into the year. But the weaknesses of this team, they are very weak uh, perimeter defense, just sort of defense uh, when sort of limiting uh, ball, sort of allowing the other team to drive into the paint. They've got to do a better job of ball denial there. Anthony Harris is a great perimeter defender. He will come in and immediately be able to lock up the other team's best uh, guard. That's a huge asset for North Carolina now to have that on their roster. And then offensively, I think Anthony Harris is a humongous playmaker. You could see the energy that he played with when he immediately came into the game in the second half against Florida State. It made everyone else better because he he can dribble the basketball. He can create for his teammates. He's not going to turn the ball over a lot. He can shoot uh, at a pretty high clip as well, so he's, it's not like he's impacting floor spacing at all. Um, I think that he is really a game changer for the rest of the season for North Carolina. And this team will look different once he's up to full speed. The big caveat, of course, if he's on a minutes restriction and can only play, you know, 10 to 20 minutes a game for the rest of the year, that, that'll limit his impact ability to, to help this team a significant amount for obvious reasons. But if he's full go, if he's able to start playing 28 to 30 minutes a game, I think this changes things. Tyler, what do you think about Anthony Harris's return? Well, it's funny because when you mention all the things he does, very similar to what Caleb Love brings, what R.J. Davis brings. Anthony Harris just does it better. <laughs> I mean, he plays a slightly better defense, but one thing we said about Caleb Love, one of his biggest assets is his ability to defend, his willingness to defend. Anthony Harris just does it a little better. Playmaking, Anthony Harris just does it better because he's not turning it over like Caleb Love will turn it over. Um, but, you know, Anthony Harris, I think, makes you go from an NIT team to like a last four bye team. You're going to go from NIT to like a 10-11 seed. Not anything to, you know, write home about or believe as a ray of hope for this team <laughs> because a lot of the issues are still glaring. So. If I think, do they turn the corner? No. John, let me ask you this real quick. What have been your UNC's two most impressive games this season? Let's see, two most impressive games for the Tar Heels this year. I would have to say, well, I think that that loss to Texas, I think, is up there in terms of most impressive because we've learned that Texas is a really good ball club. UNC lost to Texas by just two points. When it was basically a game-winning shot there by by the Longhorns. I'd say that's up there in terms of impressive. And mm -hmm. then I think their win against Stanford was also impressive. That was also at the Maui Invitational. That was early on in the season. Um, I think that was another impressive win. Um, are you trying to go for the fact that they haven't really looked all that impressive otherwise? No, so uh, it's funny. I thought you'd say Stanford because you won, but – you know, that actually I thought was a pretty poor game for you all. Stanford's not a very good team. But the reason I say that is the two games I think UNC has looked the best has been Iowa and now FSU, which are two losses for you. But the yeah. two games you look the best. And it's kind of a sign of a young team where you look terrible against the bad teams. You play down your competition, Notre Dame, Miami, 
Syracuse. Syracuse is a bad team. You beat them. They got 20 piece the next night or, you know, the, the same week by uh, Pitt. Shout out to Jeff Capel. <laughs> but, um, you know, then you play teams where you're not supposed to win. You play freely. You shoot 40% from three. You play Tuesday against Syracuse. You shoot 20% from three. I have ugly turnovers. So when I think about rounding the corner, I need to see consistent play playing up to your potential every game. You cannot be winning against four teams, the bottom of the ACC by one point, two points. That can't happen. And this next week, we're going to see. You play, I think, Wake Forest. And what's, what's the second team you play? The UNC plays Wake Forest in a rematch against NC State. NC State, yeah. Very winnable games. NC State's been getting killed. They just lost again last week by 32 to FSU. Duke didn't show up for the game against FSU because of COVID. NC State just didn't show up, period. Losing 105 to 73, my goodness. So, I mean, you're going to have very winnable games. I mean, I think UNC needs to win both the games. Otherwise, your momentum is dead in the water. Return doesn't matter. You look good against Florida State without Scotty Barnes. Also, a game that was served up to you on a platter, taking MJ Walker out. And the move that in the NBA, Baycott would have been ejected for. And the call is not even called a, not, wasn't even called a foul. Which, hold on, in terms of fouls, I have never seen a foul call reversed. It's not like there's a challenge. They called a foul on Garrison, go to the replay monitor, do not, do not give Cobra Visa a flagrant, but they take away the foul from Garrison and give a common foul to Cobra Visa. I've never seen that in college basketball. You can't review a foul call and take it away. That's unreal to me. But nevertheless, UNC, right as MJ Walker goes out, they turn the ball over to a 7-1 big, and then I think Gray hit the three in the corner, goes down six, and you really couldn't fight back after that. Typical. My last, my last thing about, my last comment about UNC. You guys played very poorly down the stretch against FSU. And going into the game, what was the talk? UNC found out how to close games. You closed three straight games. But those were against the worst ACC teams. So you can get away with not calling timeouts and playing sloppy against teams that are going to lose. Miami, Notre Dame, Syracuse are all have, what, one win in conference? So you can win those games close. You play a team like FSU, which is with a coach that cannot manage late game strategy, you get Garrison Brooks that gets an inbound pass, looks around frantically, shoots a contested mid-range jumper for no reason, bricks it. You get Leaky Black driving on Cobra Visa, gets the ball swatted out of bounds. Much like what happened when you drive on me, I swat it into the fourth row. <laughs> or you get Kerwin Walton feeling himself, shooting five feet behind the line, getting it blocked by Gray, and it's game over. No timeout during that period. You just look sloppy. So, you know, this this narrative that UNC learned to close games, you know, maybe it's the other teams just perpetual losers. They have one winning conference. And maybe it's those teams losing games, not as much as UNC winning. We'll see this next week. You said one thing I wanted to build on, uh, talking about Caleb Love, because I think we both agree Caleb Love has not impressed this season. He is definitely... Uh, struggled with his outside shot. He struggled to find his place in this offense. I think one critical thing is that Anthony Harris will make Caleb Love better because having Anthony Harris will re reduce Caleb Love's role. Caleb Love can focus on sort of being the off-ball guy. He can focus on being a spot-up shooter. I know that sounds crazy because he's shot the ball so poorly this season, 
but I still believe in his ability to sort of take those catch-and-shoot type threes. I think he can be a good shooter on those. Not di- not diminishes responsibility. It completely changes his role. He's not playing point guard anymore. How many assists did he have last game? Zero. Four turnovers, zero assists. He shot the ball well, scored 11 points, first time scoring in double digits in a month, and everyone was hyped because, you know, he made some shots, which is good, but he's not a point guard anymore. He's just a shooting guard, and they're saying, all right, you're going to get wide-open jumpers, just make them, shoot them with confidence, which is maybe what this team needs. But, you know, coming in as a high draft prospect, a high high school recruit, he can't even play his position. Yeah, he he played 21 minutes yesterday. He had zero assists, four turnovers, as you referenced. But the number you should also look at there, Anthony Harris played nine minutes. He had three assists, zero turnovers in just those nine minutes. So you can see the impact that he had just in that short amount of time. If he's able to play 25, 24 minutes a game, especially taking over in the second half, I think UNC should close here on out so long as Anthony Harris is healthy. UNC should close with Anthony Harris, Caleb Love, and Kerwin Walton on the wing because I think that gives the best mix of offense and defense. Um, I think that Anthony Harris can handle the ball, have both those guys, Kerwin and Caleb Love, staying sort of spacing around the arc but getting ready to catch and shoot if needed. How about Kerwin Walton, too? He's able to, like, he can dribble and take pull-ups, too. I'm I'm just constantly impressed with this guy. He was the lowest-rated recruit of UNC's freshman class, and yet there's times when he looks like the best player out of all of them. It's just crazy sometimes how that works. The Enigma Kerwin Walton, the snail as I call him because he is so slow with his movements and his shot, but damn, can he shoot the ball. I think the the way to guard him, you have to make him put him on the put it on the floor. If, at least when he pulls up, it's a it's a mid-range, it's a two-pointer, and he's okay. He's pretty consistent with that, but the pull-up threes he's not as consistent with, so him getting these open three looks, he's going to bury it every time. So I think teams are going to have to adjust to that going forward. Interesting that you'd rather have Caleb Love on the floor instead of R.J. Davis late, something I don't know if I would agree with. But another discussion for another day. Um, we're about to get into our locker room app segment of the podcast. We got great feedback from it. A lot of people like being able to talk live, ask questions. So um, this is something we will do weekly going forward, a five to ten minute segment usually. So we'll get into that app. And hello, everyone. Thanks for jumping in the room this morning. We're going to go live here with a Q&A session talking UNC Duke basketball. Tyler, how are you doing today? Doing well. A big week of college basketball. Not that many cancellations, thankfully. So a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. You have a question as well. Yeah, hold on, John. I want to give a shout-out to Ethan. He wants to move the um, discussion to football. I'll give a shout-out to his Green Bay Packers. That's where he wants to go with it. He's a big Aaron Rodgers guy, of course. Uh, we'll see if they you know, fold this year or win the Super Bowl. But I'm not going to let him uh, – continue the discussion with football any more than that. I'll give him a shout-out, and we'll move on. Um, yeah. We, we also have Howard. a question from Howard. Yeah, I'm going to let you take that one, John, because uh, you know how I feel about playoff G. So, John, <laughs> is Garrison Brooks actually a legit NBA prospect? Yeah, so uh, thanks, Howard, for the question. Um, I do not believe that Garrison 
is a legitimate and uh, NBA prospect at this time. He's someone who played well last year. Uh, he came into this year with high expectations. He was the ACC preseason player of the year, which is uh, a lot of expectations placed on him. Um, and those expectations were valid because he played very well, sort of as the focal point of the offense last year. With all of UNC's injuries, he was counted upon to score the basketball, and he did so consistently. But this season, it just hasn't been the same with Garrison. Um, I I think across the board, really, his, his numbers are down. He's taking uh, a less percentage of possessions. He's using up less percentage of possessions than he did last year. His offensive rating is down around 10 points or so from his junior season. Um, he's still rebounding the ball at an elite level, so it's not all isn't lost. But his field goal percentage, for example, last year on two-pointers was 53.9%. This year it's down to just 44.2%. So just the fact that he's not able to continue his offensive production uh, this season, he doesn't give a lot – uh, from an NBA perspective on defense. Uh, he's not going to block a ton of shots. He's not uh, super big or anything like that, so he doesn't bring a lot of size to the to the element. He's not an outside shooter necessarily, or at least he hasn't proven that while at UNC, so it's not like he's bringing that sort of stretch stretch element into the big man equation. So I, I don't see Garrison as a, as a legitimate and, uh, NBA prospect. Um, how about you, Tyler? What are your thoughts? Hell no. What? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, I don't know. I don't see him with elite athleticism or size. He's not a great low post scorer. He doesn't, his mid-range that apparently he's been working on is, you know, he misses everyone that I see him take. Turns the ball over. I just don't see how, you know, he, he would be on any NBA draft board. I don't think he is. Uh, Howard, if you believe so, you can request to speak. We'll let you get some time. Uh, maybe play devil's advocate here. Who knows? Oh, we're, we're getting a request, so we'll have Howard on. Here we go. Thanks for joining yes. us on the show today. Yeah, no no problem. Thanks for having me. I love the show. Um, I'm actually a Michigan State fan myself, Michigan State grad, but I hear a lot of talk about Garrison like, why does he – I just don't get – because I, I, I get a little bit of, uh, I would say, auxiliary coverage of UNC, and I see your guys' tweets and stuff like that. But it seems like Garrison gets respect in the UNC, like, basketball community, and I just don't understand, like, what I'm missing. Because I watched uh, a game the other day. I was like, this guy's trash. <laughs> yeah, that's my reaction every time I watch him. You're right. Yeah. So it's just confusing to me that he gets so much – respect and uh conversation for how good he is you know i just i don't even see why he his name comes up it's one thing you know we had like we had guys like xavier tillman he reminds me of xavier tillman but xavier tillman was a little bit way better and and i think warranted more uh respect so what's the deal yeah I, i i i definitely hear you i think it's a couple different things going on number one we don't want to throw too much shade because he did have solid product, pr- production in his junior season. He averaged 16.8 points. He averaged 8.5 rebounds. John, let me jump in real quick so, because that's the reason he gets respect was because of his junior season. 
But there's a difference of playing winning basketball and playing on a team that has a bunch of injuries and they throw you the ball and say, okay, you have to go get 30 tonight or we lose by 50. If you play, you know, well, maybe we lose by 20, but, you know, we'll have a shot. And when you know that every time you shoot, it's not a bad shot because it's the best shot available, you play differently than when you have a ton of other options like this year. And that's why you can't even see the floor this year because he's just not good. He's just not a good – he's just never the right option. Yep, and he had a bad play late again um, against FSU. One of the, I think they inbounded to him with a couple of minutes left. Looks around frantically to get someone the ball, doesn't see it, so he just jacks up a mid-range jumper, something I'm sure is another eyesore for UNC fans, another mid-range contested jumper for Garrison, and he bricks it, goes the other way. Yeah, well, I think – oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, thank you for clarifying because, I mean – I was like, am I crazy or am I just missing something here? But, like, you know, now I know. I think I think another part of it as well is UNC has had a number of really good big men who have developed over the course of their four years in Chapel Hill. So someone like Bryce Johnson, he started in a limited role in his freshman season. But by the time he was finished at UNC, he was truly an elite college basketball player. So I think people are expecting Garrison to follow that sort of same trajectory um, and sort of follow up. Because UNC has had a lot of big men under Roy Williams that have done well. You can even go back to like John Henson, Tyler Zeller, and then in more recent years, Kennedy Meeks, uh, Bryce Johnson. I used to to love John Henson. So sad that things haven't panned out. Yeah. I think, yeah, definitely, though. That's That's a big part of it. People are expecting Garrison to sort of continue to steadily improve each season but I don't think he had that same sort of McDonald's All-American pedigree so he might have sort of hit his ceiling last season and you know this year with other talented freshmen in the mix for North Carolina he just hasn't been able to have that same sort of impact. Yeah I think that's a good point you have had a lot of bigs come in as freshmen look terrible then really develop into elite players as seniors. Armando Baycock kind of on that um trajectory right now he had a really big leap from freshman to sophomore year but yeah Garrison I think he definitely reached his ceiling last year and one thing is he's like a very nice guy very likable guy so for UNC fans at least you don't want to root against him so you'll be supportive no matter what so you know maybe that like has a little bit to do with why his name keeps coming brought up every time he does something well people want to cheer yeah well hey thanks for having me up guys appreciate it love the show Yes, sir. Thanks, Howard. Appreciate you joining. Okay, thank you for listening to the Locker Room Maps segment. We hope to continue that going forward. We're about to jump into the Duke part of this podcast. And, you know, unfortunately, Duke loses to Virginia Tech 74-67. to Stretches of that game, Duke looked god-awful. Other stretches, they look pretty damn good. John, how much trouble is Duke in? Yeah, let's let's not let's not mince words here. Duke was down at one point, twenty-seven to twelve, against. I think they were down eighteen at one point in the game too. Yeah, this this was this was not a particularly close game. I'm looking now. It looks like Virginia Tech's largest lead was thirty-six eighteen. So it it really was almost over by the time the first half was done, and Duke played a little bit better in the second half. Um, 
Duke. A little bit better. We got it down to one point and missed open shots to to take the lead. Here's the thing, though. That there, Duke dug itself a big hole. You can agree with that at least. And yes, played a lot better to 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 make a comeback there. But here's the yeah, thing. Yeah, we took a page out of UNC's book and decided to dig ourselves a hole early. <laughs> Duke came into this season with with big expectations, and we're sitting here in January. The team is five and three. Um, we talked about most impressive performance for Duke. It's another team where Duke really doesn't have that many impressive, impressive performances. Their best win so far this season is probably, I guess you'd have to say Notre Dame. Um, they have had no signature uh, sort of wins. So I'm going to take this segment in a little bit of a different direction, throw you a curveball, Tyler. Tyler, please explain to me, why was Duke ranked? Because they have done nothing to deserve it, and clearly by losing this week, they've proved they should not be ranked. Explain to me why Duke was ranked this past week. Uh, one big thing is name a bad loss on the for our team. One of the teams in the country that doesn't have a bad loss. Our first game against Michigan State, our first loss, at least, you know, that's like our second game of the season. We don't even have an identity. Then Illinois, and then Virginia Tech. I mean, if we didn't cancel all those games, that's four more wins for the team. Those are easy wins. Teams that UNC was able to schedule when they had cancellations. Oh, I can just throw an NCCU on my schedule and take another win. Duke would be looking at 9-3, and three, which looks a lot better than 5-3 and three right now, with wins against top 25 or losses only against top 25 teams. I mean, going through going forward, Duke will obviously get wins against better teams, but when you look at ranked and you you're looking at the talent of the team, they were dropping not playing games, which usually doesn't happen. You usually move up. So, you know, you want to talk about fairness. There are a lot of teams with four losses, Duke only had two. And t- t- there's top 15 teams with four losses on their record. So that's why Duke's ranked and that also while I'm at it, UNC didn't even receive votes for rankings for the last couple of weeks. So that's probably why you're a little salty about it. I just I just I just wanna make sure we, we let this sink in for a second. Duke was ranked nineteenth at the beginning of the week. Uh they were ranked over Ohio State. They were of course ranked over Virginia Tech, we saw. Here's the thing though. Let's take a look just at Ohio State. Ohio State right now is sitting at 11 and three. So they've had two additional wins, but Ohio State had already beaten Rutgers twice. That's two good wins. They had beaten UCLA at one of the neutral site games. That's a good win. And they had beaten Notre Dame. So they have more wins. Um, I just think it's blasphemous to take a word from our friend Stephen A. Smith. Blasphemous that Duke was ranked so highly um, and I'll be sure, Tyler, to write this down for later on. Hold on. I'm glad hold on, that we're now on. measuring teams on the strength of their losses. No, 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 no. I'm not letting you get away with it. No, no, no. Let's, why was UNC ranked fifth last year, huh? Because it ma- preseason rank matters. And you win the games that are in front of you, you move up. Everyone knew UNC wasn't the fifth best, fifth best ranked team last year. In fact, you weren't even a ranked team last year. And everyone knew that from the get-go other than UNC fans. So let's not act like preseason rank doesn't play a factor. Duke was high as what, six or eight, something like that. Okay, you lost. We lost Michigan State at the time. It was the number six team in the country. We moved down a couple. Expected. We lose then to like number like six Illinois. 
We moved down like 10 spots. Okay, expected. Then what happened? We didn't play, and then we won every game. If you're the 20th ranked team, we kept dropping. We dropped like 24th because we weren't playing. And then we won our next games. So what do you want us to do? You're going you're gonna to drop out of the rankings for winning those games? It's, it's a little bit like the Ohio State argument in college football. Ohio State just had a smaller sample, so they made the college football playoff even though they only won you know, six or seven games, whatever it was. And then you looked at a team like Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati had played a much bigger schedule. So you can sort of follow the comparison a little bit there. Yeah, and Ohio State smacked Clemson, so basically Duke would uh, smack Baylor right now is, is what I'm getting. Yeah, that's, that's where I was going to say that's where the comparison sort of falls apart because I'm not sure Duke's underlying strength is that good. Let's, let's get back to the, to the Blue Devils. Uh, I just had to take us on that little tangent there because I think that was important. Uh, yeah, I know there's probably UNC unranked team. Well, Duke will be unranked come Monday, but, you know, <laughs> Duke has two important games coming up, I think. Uh, the game on Tuesday is against Pittsburgh. That's a road game. And then they also go on the road uh, to Louisville. So these are essentially a stretch of three road games in a row. Uh, I feel like they have to be able to steal at least one of them. We'll get into predictions a little bit in the uh, later half of the podcast. But if UNC, or if, excuse me, if Duke is not able to go on Tuesday night into Pittsburgh and and beat Jeff Capel's team, I think that's when it's really time to start getting worried if you're a Duke fan. Um, you know, the, the the Pittsburgh game that's gonna be a, a tough one for the Blue Devils. That's they're they're a good ball club, and being up there on the road, um, it's gonna be a challenge. So. That's how we start out this segment, how much trouble is Duke in. I think they're in trouble if they're not able to steal at least one of the road games coming up this week. Tyler, what are your thoughts, though? I think there are so many headlines about how bad Duke is and how this is a season that's you know to be lost, but we, we just need to reset. When you look at things, Duke is 3-1 and one in the ACC. That doesn't matter who they played. They are 3-1 and one in the ACC, one game back a first place against Virginia team that we both agree is very beatable. Even though they just beat Clemson, destroyed Clemson by like 30 points. You know, they are still, we've seen throughout the season, Virginia is very beatable. So reset, we're getting Jalen Johnson back. He played a little bit. We need him back in the lineup very bad for this reason. The bench production since he has gone out with injury has been non-existent. And when you have only three players scoring about 80% of the points, and DJ Stewart, Jeremy Roach, Matthew Hurt, those are not game-breaking type players. They're not a Zion that can just demoralize you. You need production from one through five on the team, and you need production from the bench. And Duke's not getting that, which is why they can't win these top 25 matchups. But when Jalen Johnson comes back, he is a starter on the team. You move someone, maybe it's DJ Stewart, Jeremy Roach, Jay Gold, you have to move one of them or one of them over to the bench. Then you get instant offense off the bench. And that's something Duke's going to need, something that's going to be important and I think is going to develop. When the first few games when Jalen Johnson was starting, Jamin Brakefield also played a lot better. He had to start these last couple of games, but I think he, his production is much better off the bench. And then they need Wendell Moore to step up and play like he did against Boston College. Not to the, he doesn't need to drop 25, but if Wendell can't give you 15 a game, it's going to spell trouble. But overall, you know, 3-1 and one the ACC, 
a couple big games coming up. It's not time to panic quite yet. But let me say this. Look at Pitt. 7-2 and two overall, 3-1 and one to ACC. They just smacked Syracuse by 20 points. And I'm just thinking about, look at Duke's luck. When Duke was supposed to play Pittsburgh originally, Champagne, Pittsburgh's best player, went down with injury. He just came back and put on a show. I think he had 24 and 16 against Syracuse. And now we got to go into a hot, on the road on a hot Pittsburgh team. You can debate their schedule, whatever you want. They're 7 and 2 and 3 and 1. They just beat Cuse by 20. UNC was only up one with a minute left against Syracuse. So it's not like Pitt can't play. Cable's got them playing hard, building a good program there. If Duke loses to that, I can only imagine the headlines coming out. I mean, the NIT comments are going to be, you know, all over the place. If or they're going to compare last year's UNC team to this year's Duke team. We'll see. But Duke needs to win that game. I agree with you. And Louisville is going to be a huge game to get a lot of haters off Duke's back because then that's a good that's a good win. If she, if you're talking about best win, that'd be a, I think that's a better win than UNC would have. Any win that UNC's had, Louisville's a better win then. And so then, you know, maybe it's, a, it's even better reset. We have no bad – we'd have no bad losses. We'd have a, a marquee win at least at that point. And then going forward, I think something like seven of the next eight games will be at home. Duke hasn't played well at home, but it's better than being on the road. Yeah, and one statistical nugget to, to close out the Duke segment. Duke has got to get to the line more. They rank super low in terms of free throw attempts. Uh, their point distribution, percentage of total points that come from free throws, is 13.5. That's 327th in the country. So they've got to attack the basket more, get some easy baskets from the free throw line. I think that's another thing they could do to help out their offense a little bit moving forward. We're going to close with our predictions segment, and then we will... Get ready for the next week's games. Okay, John, we're about to get into our weekly betting segment. Last week we split. You picked Virginia Tech over Duke. You were right. Duke did not show up on the road, at least in the first half. And then I was right for FSU over UNC. I've realized that every time we pick a game between UNC and Duke, our team has lost. So going forward, we only pick UNC games, okay? No more Duke games. <laughs> we'll leave them out. Um, quick recap of last week's games. Some of the marquee games. Virginia Tech obviously beat Duke 74-67. to 67. UNC then beat Syracuse 81-75. to 75. FSU beats NC State 105-73. to 73. Kind of crazy. And then an even bigger shock to me, UVA beat Clemson 85-50. to 50. Clemson was ranked 12th, the highest-ranked ACC team, and they got killed by a UVA team that has struggled to score, too, and they won by 35. Miami beat Louisville. Miami's an interesting team because they have some players. They're injured, but they got some good players, and if, if they get healthy, you know, they'll, they'll be team high-ranking teams that they can beat. Um, hands Louisville lost there. Pitt, like we talked about earlier, beat Syracuse 96-76. to 76. Um, and then FSU beat, to close out the week, beat uh, UNC 82-75. to A couple big games coming up this next week that I would look out for. FSU and Louisville, a big matchup. Then Clemson, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, my favorite or my uh, underdog team, they have had three games postponed in a row. So, you know, having 
Duke games postponed. I feel for them a little bit. We'll see if, if Georgia Tech's rusty at all, but um, hopefully they can get some games right so I can look good on the podcast. <laughs> then uh, Duke Louisville Saturday, along with Clemson FSU and UNC NC State. Saturday is the big, you know, college basketball day. We'll start with UNC and NC State, a rematch. NC State narrowly took the first game after they tried to do everything to hand the game to UNC. UNC couldn't take advantage. John, who do you have in this matchup? Does UNC get revenge? This one, this one is simple to me. Roy Williams has a special place in his heart for NC State. He is not a big fan of that ball club. I do not think there is any way that NC State is able to beat UNC twice in one season if I'm picking the Tar Heels. How about you, Tyler? I think UNC found something at the end of the game in pressing NC State. They did really terribly handling the ball pressure. With Anthony Harris back, that may make a big difference in guarding Beverly, NC State's motor and point guard on the team. Um, so I'll go ahead and pick. I'll agree with you. I'll pick UNC. I'd love to be wrong and say that we jinxed them. That would be you know, great for me. So, yeah, I'm going to pick UNC as well. All right, Duke-Louisville also on Saturday. You think Duke gets a road win here or what? So for this game, I think, first of all, it's a really interesting game. As we talked about our, earlier in the pod, Duke's third straight road game. I'm going to go ahead and, and pick Louisville in this one. I think Louisville is putting together very quietly a very solid season. We've talked about teams that have mar- marquee wins, teams that don't. Louisville is a team that has a couple marquee wins. They beat Seton Hall early in the season. Uh, they've beaten Pitt, who we talked about already, and then they beat Virginia Tech on January 6th. It was a two-point win, but still a very good win for Louisville. I think Louisville uh, is going to be able to beat the Blue Devils at home uh, pretty easily. I think it's a 10-point win for the Cardinals. How about you, Tyler? I want to agree with you. Um, I think a lot depends on how Duke performs against Pitt. Are they going to be fired up going into Saturday, or are they going to be feeling themselves after a win? I think if they lose Tuesday, you know how Kay does these like these little uh, segments where he'll, he'll, he'll ban all the Duke gear in the locker room and no player can wear it? I'm wondering if that's around the corner or if he just realizes his team's not very good. We'll see. But you know, if they lose to Pitt, I wonder, if, or in, in Louisville too, I wonder if that, that happens. But I am hopeful that Duke picks up a road win here. Um, but they do struggle with, with athletic teams because they don't have really people that can penetrate. And you look at, like Matthew Hurt, I have such a love-hate relationship with him because every shot he takes is just a contested bad jumper. And when he makes it, you think, oh, crap, you can't guard him. When he misses, it's ugly, and it's run out the other way. I think against Louisville, he's going to lack the athleticism to get by a lot of these guys. And when he struggles, Duke struggles. So I'm hopeful Duke wins. My head is telling me I got to if I'm putting money on it, I'm putting money on Louisville. No matter what happens in both those games, we'll be here the following week to discuss it in the Tar Devils podcast. A big week of college basketball coming up. We are also keeping an eye out for the first UNC Duke game, which we're excited about. That game, the first one is on February 6th, so stay tuned for some special podcast uh, news and episodes, that sort of thing, around that UNC-Duke 
game. We also want to mention, make sure you download uh, the Locker Room app so you can join us and contribute live questions to our podcast airings uh, when we record live on there. Uh, Tyler, do you want to take us out, remind people where they can find us on social media and such? Absolutely. You can follow us on Twitter at TarDevilsPod. Um, please tweet out reactions to the um, to this podcast episode as well as the locker room app, what you'd like to see going forward, any questions you have that you want to see raised on the podcast, we can address as well. And then you can also follow us um, and subscribe on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts.